Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So you saw The Woman King? Yes. Did you connect to the movie in any particular way? As a mother, I have a kid. And that part really inspired me because a mother's bond is never to be broken. You could see that. It was really nice to see people that looked like me doing cool stuff in movies, like not just like a background role. Did you feel represented by the film? As a West African person, like being able to see what our culture looked like rendered so vividly in a movie that had such a big budget was just like so fulfilling and so exciting. The vulnerability aspect, like I definitely feel things, but I don't really show them because like it's hard to as a black woman. So I, I definitely identified with that. It gave me goosebumps. I'm just like, wow, all these women sticking together, coming to one common cause. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright, and welcome to the show. The Oscars are next week. And as happens almost every year, this year's Academy Awards have forced yet another conversation about whether that institution actually values the work of Black people, of women, and of others who have had to make space for themselves in the cultural economy. The Academy has never even nominated a Black woman for Best Director and has only nominated two women, period. This year, a lot of people thought that would change, given all the buzz around the film The Woman King and all the honors that director Gina Prince-Bythewood has received. The movie enjoyed remarkable success at the box office. It was led by a big-name star in Viola Davis. It received widespread critical acclaim. And frankly, it's exactly the kind of epic film that is often described as Oscar bait. And yet, it received exactly zero nominations. Zip. Zilch none. And certainly no best director nod. Gina Prince Bythewood has not held her tongue about this snub. She told The Hollywood Reporter that The Woman King's total shutout is, quote, a reflection of where the Academy stands and the consistent chasm between Black excellence and recognition. And sadly, this is not just an issue in Hollywood, but in every industry. I caught up with Gina Prince-Bythewood right as The Woman King debuted on Netflix as the number one most-watched film on that platform. Throughout her long career, she has been known in the industry as someone who is actively making space for women of color, both in front of and behind the camera. Our conversation is part of an ongoing series we're calling Black History Is Now. And in the series, we're collecting the stories of people who are themselves living history— and who are thinking about what came before them, what might come after them. For Gina, she has said that The Woman King, which tells the story of an all-female group of warriors in the Dahomey Kingdom of West Africa during the era of the Atlantic slave trade, Gina has said that this film represents everything she always dreamed about doing. So I asked her to explain why that's the case. I love historical epics, and I had, it's interesting, I had a desire to do it, but I knew that the industry was not caught up to my dream, Mm. and so it remained a dream, Um, and then the script came, and 
it was a historical epic that centered us and centered Black women and told a part of our history that's been erased. Um, and when it wasn't erased, it was debased and told incorrectly. And so to be able to tell our history from our point of view, do the right research, the deep dive and and hear from those, the ancestors, you know, whose story we're telling, it, um, it's an incredible feeling. And it was a profound experience to make this film yeah, yeah, with this group yeah. of women, these incredible actors and artists who were as passionate about telling the story and telling our story as I was on the continent. And then to have it have the impact that it has had, it's, um, like I said, it's a dream. When you said it, the industry hadn't caught up to your dreams yet, what did you mean? Can you just spell that out a little more? They are the genres that we have been in have been limited and there hasn't been a historical epic. I mean, the last I think was um, Shaka Zulu. And how long ago was that? Oof. And I'm talking about the big historical yeah. epics of uh, and certainly um, focused on the continent, um, a historical epic that doesn't start and say that our history begins with enslavement. Hollywood was not checking for that ever. Um, it took Viola Davis and Kathy Shulman, Julius Ten and Maria Bello, our producers, it took them six years to even find a place that would fund this film. And even then, when I came aboard, it took a year to get that green light. Mm -hmm. um, I often say, but it's true, Black Panther absolutely showed Hollywood that we could make a film in this space and it would do well. <laughs> but even then, it was still a fight. Right. But success begets success. And yeah. now I'm happy that the Woman King and its success is now going to open the door for others to be able to to tell those stories that they've been dreaming to do. Yeah. And is it the um, historical epic part about it or the action film part about it? Because I was also like, what does it mean to have made this for you to have made this as an action film? Because um, it's a very old, it's like, I don't want to say old school, but it's like an action film. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it is Gladiator and Last of the Mohicans and yeah. like those were the templates, certainly. But again, look at the templates I'm naming. Right. You know, um, I think it's, you know, the size of the budget. I think it's the genre. I think it's who is fronting it. Um, the fact that Black women were at the forefront of it. Obviously, John Boyega plays the king and he's phenomenal in it. But yeah, there was no template for this. Hollywood yeah. needs templates. They need to look at something and say, okay, that made money. So if we make this, it'll make money. Hmm. There was no comp right. for this. Right. And so it was a leap of faith. Right. And it does show the power of having a black head of studio. There's only two in our entire industry. And uh, Nicole Brown is one of them. She heads up TriStar and she fought for this. She saw the value in it and fought for it. Gina Prince-Bythewood stepped into Hollywood at a special time in popular culture. It was the early 1990s, and we've talked about this era before in Black music, the moment when hip-hop and R&B began to just dominate pop. But there was an analogous movement happening in film and TV at the time. I know my parents loved me. When there was just this eruption of shows and movies made by and for young Black people. It was perhaps best represented by the sitcom a different world. This was a spinoff of The Cosby Show set on the campus of a fictional historically black college 
and featuring the sweet, silly, stylish adventures of a group of Gen X black folks. The lead characters, Dwayne and Whitley, became iconic roles, and a young Gina Prince-Bythewood got a chance to write their stories. I was so blessed to step into the industry in the way that I did. Um, It was my first job, and I was 22, and, you know, less than a year out of college. A Different World was my favorite show. (laughs) So to be able to go in there and, like, go from watching Dwayne and Whitley to writing for Dwayne and Whitley uh, was amazing. The show was run by Black women. Susan Fells Hill, and she was young. She was like 29 years old running this top show. Uh, Debbie Allen was the producing director um, running it. Yvette Lee Bowser, who was a producer who has had great success in this industry, she took me under her wing and taught me so much. So I had these Black women surrounding me, protecting me, but also it was my normal to see Black women running it. And it was just an an incredible time. And the other amazing thing was learning that the the enrollment at HBCUs went up dramatically because of the show. And to learn and understand the power of what we do that early in my career like Mm. has never left me. Mm. The, The power of image and our image and how it can be used in such positive ways like that. So it was... Just, I'm so blessed to have started on a different world, 100%. It, you said it was it was your normal to be surrounded by these Black women. Put that in relationship to what was actually normal in the industry at the time. Oh, man, when I left the bubble of a different world, the next, um, well, this is the thing. So I started in sitcom, started on a different world. But my dream, my goal at that time, in addition to being a filmmaker, making movies, was to write dramatic series. It was a desert for Black folks Mm. um, at that time. And so I went from a different world to South Central, and South Central was a really great experience. And then moving into drama, suddenly the next three drama shows I was on, I was the only one. Mm. And um, it was really tough because okay, this is a perfect example. Um, I, I get on the show Sweet Justice. And it's about Cicely Tyson, and Cicely Tyson's amazing. Right. Um, she plays a a formal c- civil rights uh, activist who is now an attorney, and has a law firm, and is taking on civil rights cases. And it co-stars Melissa Gilbert. I come on the show, the only uh, black writer, and I'm looking at the cast. And the cast is all white except for Cicely Tyson. And I, I talked with the showrunner. I said, this is this is a woman who was a civil rights activist. <laughs> she wouldn't hire any black <laughs> lawyers. She would have no black friends, no, no one black in her life. It made no sense, but uh, it didn't even cross their minds. Wow. So it was me fighting to get another black lawyer in this firm, which ended up being Cree Summer. Cree was great in it. And then suddenly, yes, we get to create these stories, you know, centering her character. But that's what I faced in every show that that I was on fighting for our images. And because literally, literally every time, you know, at the beginning of a season, you map out uh, the arc of every character. 
And every single show is the black character either had a brother or sister in jail or a brother and sister who was an addict. That was it. That was the arc. Whereas the white characters have these full, cool, whole lives and love interests. And it was just every single time. And so every single time I'm fighting for more for our characters. It was just, yeah, that's, that's what it was back then. I'm talking with Gina Prince-Bythewood, director of The Woman King, about her long career in Hollywood. Coming up, she reflects on her directorial debut, a pure love story that is still, decades later, considered a classic in Black film. And we will talk about the Oscars. Stay with us. Hey everyone, this is Kusha. I'm a producer. Now, if you saw The Woman King, I'd love to know, did you connect to the movie in any special way? And did the representation in the ways that we're talking about it right now make a difference to the way you connected? I'd love to hear what you think. So if you have thoughts, email us. The address is notes at wnyc.org. You can also send us a voicemail. Just go to our website, that's notesfromamerica.org, scroll a little down the page, and click on the green button that says Start Recording. We'd love to use your messages in an upcoming episode. And one more thing, if you want to hear messages from listeners about all of our episodes, be sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter pages. Our handle is at NotesWithKai. All right, thanks. WNYC Studios is supported by Wondery's new podcast, Black History for Real. Introducing you to the most overlooked black history makers you should already know about. Historical tea is the hottest and it pours the best. Hosted by Francesca Ramsey and Conscious Lee. Follow Black History for Real on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen everywhere on 2.5 or you can listen early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting 129. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright, and I'm talking with filmmaker Gina Prince-Bythewood, who directed the box office hit The Woman King, starring Viola Davis. The film may not have won the attention of the Academy Awards, but it has left a clear mark in the culture. And it's not Gina's first time making a movie that's had this kind of impact. Her directorial debut, which came out in the year 2000, was the film Love and Basketball. It tells the story of two successful young Black athletes just trying to figure out how to be in love. That's it. And it became an immediate and lasting classic. This is a film that we've talked about before on the show. It is um, remains such an important touchstone for so many Black people, um, particularly those who were young in that time. Um, what is it about it you think that was so, that made such a personal connection with so many Black filmgoers? 
I wish I knew because I would bottle it up and I would do it every <laughs> single time. Um, I it is still literally it is it is stunning and humbling to me that people still watch it and watch a lot. And as they grow up, they share it with their kids and teenagers watch it. And it's, I don't know why. I just, I know I love it because of what I was saying to the world. I know I was eager as a director. I'm and a writer. I'm my first audience and I was writing what I wanted to see. Hmm. Um, And I feel like I wanted to see us in a love story and I hadn't, I wasn't seeing that. And I wanted it not to be a romantic comedy, but like a proper love story. And I think putting a Black woman, a young Black woman in the world that we hadn't seen, someone like that, um, I hope certainly with Quincy's character too, that it was a true two-hander, that it wasn't, you know, one person with a, a sidekick love interest, but that you get to follow both of these characters and their lives and their traumas and their joys and, and their loves. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of truth in it as well. That was, you know, so much of my life. I got to pour mm. into it. My husband as well, you know, a lot of his life. So maybe also there was that amount of truth that people could see themselves in these characters, even if you weren't an athlete, what they were going through, what they were pushing for, what they were searching for. Um, maybe a lot of people could see themselves in in Monica and Quincy. We, we talked uh, previously to Omar Epps, uh, who uh, was the lead Quincy in this yes. in this film, um, and I'll, I'll put a theory to you that we came up with in that conversation um, that both Love and Basketball and A Different World were representations in which um, there were whole black worlds that were not defined by racism or struggle or really white people in any way, <laughs> um, uh, and that that was not something you saw beyond, you know, the Cosby show, I guess. Um, mm. Was that intentional? I would say it wasn't. I didn't say that out loud, but I know my inspiration literally was, I want to make a Black When Harry Met Sally. Mm. I had loved that film. I didn't see us getting to have ourselves in those type of films where it's just people, you know, going through life and finding each other and finding your soulmate and finding love. And yeah, I mean, I know it was intentional where I wanted to set it, where what their neighborhood was, what the parents did, because I hadn't, I wasn't seeing those type of characters. Obviously you see them and we see them in our own lives, but you don't see them reflected in TV or film. You were seeing a sameness. Um, so that part of it was intentional, but it's really interesting. I, I've never actually said it the way that you just said it. And, uh, so I'm going to take that. <laughs> You're welcome to it. Go on, I can help. When the Academy Award nominations came out and The Woman King got zero nominations, it sparked yet another year of outrage and frustration over which films get honored, which ones get ignored. Gina Prince-Bythewood shared her own frustration. She said in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter that, quote, the Academy made a very loud statement, and for me to stay quiet is to accept that statement. And she went on to make a point about why these awards matter at all. It's kind of her answer to people who say, who cares what the stupid Academy thinks in the first place? It is a fascinating thing where when you talk about this, often the the answer that you get is, 
why do you care? Don't don't care about awards. Don't care about the validation of white people. Um, but as I said in the interview, the fact that people are seeing the academy as a white institution says a lot right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this industry, in terms of HODs and as heads of department, costume, hair and makeup, editors, cinematographers, it's really hard to get gigs and certainly get films on this level. Gina, can you break down what is an HOD? So you have the head of the makeup department, head of wardrobe, uh, the cinematographer, the editor, and then they are in charge of hiring everyone underneath. They're basically the hiring manager that we think about in in other industries. Fascinating. And the majority of my HODs, almost all were women or people of color. But she says she had to fight to get those people on The Woman King because their resumes didn't show the kinds of work that, in the eyes of Hollywood executives, qualified them for a movie of this size. To Gina, they were clearly qualified, but their experience just was not immediately legible to the studio system. Now, let's say you have a Academy Award nomination, just a nomination, not even a win. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a nomination on your resume. Now suddenly it's not just going to be black directors looking out for you. Other directors are going to look out and see that and be like, oh, I want that person because that person has gotten that that stamp of approval, you know, that their talent is good enough. That's That's what it does. And it also helps that I don't have to fight for you to be on my crew anymore. It's just an automatic because studios look at that that nomination and say, oh, they must be good. It's not enough for me to say it. They need validation from yeah. others. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge thing in our industry. Absolutely. And it, it uh, as a director, it gives you so much. Um, yeah, final cut. When you have an Oscar nom, you have final cut. What is final cut? And why is that important? Final cut. Uh, technically means that you have the last say on the film, the final product of the film. What happens often is you make a film and then you get a ton of notes and you have test screenings and then you get more notes based on that. And suddenly you're you're agreeing to things that are going against your vision. And then at the end, you look up on the screen and you don't recognize the film. That's never happened to me. But the level of fight it takes to protect your vision is extraordinary. And I know it's taken a toll on me after 20 years. And I just, it doesn't need to be that hard. Uh, So that's that's what these nominations, why they're important. And to take that why it matters just one more step forward then, like, why does it matter that these films that center Black stories that are made by Black people exist in the first place? And I know it sounds like a basic question, but for you, you know, why why does it actually matter beyond like, oh, I got to see a cool film? Um, it's, you have to be able to see yourself reflected. I mean, the power of film and television, as I said earlier, the fact that enrollment for HBCUs went up dramatically when young Black kids or teenagers are watching a show and they see people that look like them in college. Suddenly, they can see themselves in college. It's it's as simple as that. You think about how many superhero films before Black Panther had come out. 
Think of all the little white kids who get to grow up believing themselves as heroes. Um, we didn't have that. Hmm. And like, that's a stunning thing. What can that do to your psyche to grow up and know that you can be a hero? And what does that do to your psyche if you've never seen that for yourself? So the excitement I know when I sat in Black Panther with my two boys, the way they walked out of that film with their chests just up mm. and pumped. And now when with the Woman King and seeing online these videos of little girls chanting Wusu. Um, it's amazing. That's that's the power of what we do. Gina Prince-Blythewood is the director, most recently, <laughs> of The Woman King. Thank you so much for this time and for your work, Gina. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on Instagram at Notes with Kai. Our theme music and sound design is by Jared Paul. Our team also includes Karen Frillman, Vanessa Handy, Regina Dehir, Rahima Nasa, Kusha Navadar, and Lindsay Foster Thomas. Andre Robert Lee is our executive producer, and I am Kai Wright. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. <laughs> <laughs>